When I was in high school, I wanted to run in the Olympics. Now, whenever I told the youth group that the other day, they laughed at me. Preston's laughing right now. I can see you back there. <laughs> in fact, I think my wife was in that class as well, and I think she started laughing at me. Like, what's up with that? No one has faith in me, I guess. I don't... Anyways, I loved running cross-country. I ran it in middle school. I ran it in high school. I was decently good. I didn't break any records or anything like that, but I ran at the front of the pack on JV, and it was a good run. Like, I loved running. I loved running, and I loved the sport of cross-country because, one, it didn't take any hand-eye coordination. You just ran. Uh, two, because um, it wasn't a team sport. <laughs> I didn't have to work with anybody else. I mean, you count your points at the end, but other than that, it's just like you run, you do the best you can. And then number three, I could listen to Michael Jackson's Thriller while I played the sport. I mean, it really had it all. It had everything that I wanted. It's a perfect sport. So naturally, as a high school student, I wanted to take running to the next level. And so in my mind, that was the Olympics. Like, you don't go play in college, you just go straight to the Olympics in my mind. The thing is, there's a difference between wanting something and striving and disciplining yourself for it. Other runners on my team, they were diligent in keeping up with their logs. We logged our runs. I was lazy with my logs. Other runners, they, um, they were disciplined on keeping track of their times, of their pacing. I was focused on talking with my friends as we ran our routes. Other people, um, other runners on the team, they focused on stretching and resting and giving everything they had during the game. I was focused on girls and grades, and I failed at both of them. So I don't know really what I had going for me. The reality was I wanted it. They made it happen. I wanted it. They made it happen. They were disciplined. I dallied. They were disciplined. I dallied. This morning, we are concluding our sermon series on the whole disciple. Now, I don't know about you, but I have felt both empowered and challenged by the things that Tracy has brought in this series so far about not just wanting and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, but to be a whole disciple. Somebody fully focused, tapping into our full potential, giving the things that we need to do and to give, to be and to tap into a greater calling that Jesus has called us into. And my goal today is to follow in that path and to end this series, talking about the whole disciple. And in this series, or in this lesson, we're going to be talking about discipline discipline, because a whole disciple is a disciplined disciple. Did you know that less than 1% of people are naturally talented at something? Less than 1%. So what I mean by naturally talented, it's an example might be somebody who's never played the piano before, sits down at the bench for the first time, hears the music, and can learn to play in one sitting. Naturally talented, less than 1%. That means that the 99% of the rest of us have to put in real work, have to put our nose to the grindstone to add any value or meaning to this world. We have to be disciplined. We have to focus. And a simple definition of discipline is to know who and where you are today, to know who and where you want to be tomorrow and doing the hard things and putting in the hard work to get there. That is discipline. So what is the opposite of discipline? Lazy. 
lazy, laziness, right? And we have a difficult time labeling ourselves as lazy, don't we? Like, I don't like to think, and I don't imagine myself as a lazy person, but then again, do you know what day I love more than any other? Rainy days. I love rainy days. You want to know why? One, I love the smell of rain. I love when it's coming. I love while it's happening. I love when it's gone besides the humidity. I love rainy days. Number two, I love the life that rain brings with it. Watching all of dead, all my dead grass like become green all of a sudden. I didn't have to pay for it. And number three, I love looking out the window on a rainy day and literally watching my responsibilities drip away. Because there are zero expectations on me on rainy days. Amen? At least that's how I, I view it. But nobody wants to be lazy. Nobody wants to be at the end of their life and have someone special stand up and say, yeah, Peyton, they were just really lazy. That was what was great about him. He was just a lazy guy. Like Nobody strives to be lazy. That's why in a couple of months, you will begin establishing New Year's resolutions. And you'll do it with 45% of other people in our nation. And to give you a comparison of that statistic, 33% of people watch the Super Bowl in our nation. So 45% of us are going to begin making New Year's resolutions, and those resolutions are going to revolve around discipline. Discipline your body and your health. You might make a resolution like, I want to go to the gym more this year. I want to lose this amount of weight this year. I want to stick to this diet this year. Others of you are going to want to discipline your intelligence. You'll get on the Goodreads website and you'll say, I want to read this many books this year. I want to go and get that degree by the end of the year, or I want to develop some kind of skill or finish that online course. Others of you will set a discipline for your relationships. I want to be more loving, caring. I want to serve others, host people in my home. And then finally, others of you might set a discipline in your spiritual life. I want to pray more. I want to go to church more. I want to read my Bible more. I want to fast this year. Did you know that January 14th, 2022 is National Quitters Day? I'm not making that up. There is a day in your calendar that statistically the most amount of people will take their newly found discipline and put it in the rearview mirror, and it's 14 days in. They say only 8% of people actually take their resolution to its completion, meaning that the majority of us in this room who fall in that 92%, we do not. Why? Because we're lazy. Because we're lazy. And some of you are squinting your eyes at me, your chin is burrowed into your chest, you're shaking your head, and you're saying, there's no way, who's this guy calling me lazy? I didn't come to church to be called lazy today. He doesn't know my life, and it's because you are likely falling into the same trap that I fall in, and you say, there's no way I can be lazy because of how busy I am. I'm so busy, there's no way I could be called lazy but hear it clearly, just because you are busy does not mean you are not lazy. Just because you are busy does not mean you are not lazy. The Proverbs actually talk about that very thing. Always doing something, but never being productive or something productive or useful for you, your life. Maybe you have used the phrase, man, I am just crazy busy. I'm crazy busy these days. And today we're not talking about crazy busy. We're going to talk about lazy busy. Are you lazy busy? 
where you sit in a bunch of motion. You create a lot of energy, but you don't have anything to show for it in the end. We live, our, our whole life is structured around this. We live our entire life structured in this system of moving towards a break, moving towards rest, moving towards a time whenever I can be comfortable because you work for the weekend. Somebody said it. You work for the weekend. A time whenever no responsibilities. I don't have to do anything. I can be comfortable. Or if you want to look at it from a much grander scale, look at just the way our entire life works. We use the energy of our youth to do all of the hard work so that one day we can retire. And we don't have to do anything anymore. Are we crazy, sorry, are we lazy, busy? And if you're not convinced, if you're not convinced, I want to spend the majority of our time this morning in the Proverbs. So the Proverbs are a collection of wisdom literature written by kings. One of uh, the most notable writers is King Solomon, who is considered the wisest man to ever live. Now, Proverbs has a host of characters riddled throughout it. You have Lady Wisdom, you have the righteous, you have the wicked, you have the wise and the fool, and the less frequently talked about, one of our characters is called the sluggard. The sluggard, and that's who we're going to be focusing on this morning. The sluggard. Who is the sluggard? Well, the sluggard is the lazy person. And you might be asking, why are we going to spend the majority of today talking about the sluggard? What does this have to do anything with being a whole disciple? What does this have to do with anything about what we've been talking about, about walking with Jesus? And here's why we're talking about it. It's because there is a detrimental cost to being lazy. There's a detrimental cost. It impacts your job. It impacts your family life, and yes, it impacts your walk with Jesus. And you may not have somebody in your life who can talk frank with you, and so I'll do it. We'll do it together, because anything that I talk about up here is filtered through my own life and my own circumstances and my own struggles. I need to hear this lesson just as much as any of you do. And so we're going to talk about discipline this morning. Let's introduce ourselves to the sluggard. We're going to use uh, Proverbs 26. There's a couple of verses in order, starting in verse 13, that's going to give us a good picture of who the sluggard is. We'll start with Proverbs 26:13. The sluggard says, there is a lion in the road, there is a lion in the streets. The sluggard will think of any excuse not to do hard work. Now, I kind of relate to the sluggard here because if there really is a lion in the street, I don't want to have anything to do with what's happening outside. But that's not what the author is trying to talk about here. The author is saying the sluggard will think of any excuse, like something as wild as a lion on the road to get out of doing hard things. For this sluggard, it's a lion in the road. For me, it's rainy days. And for you, it might be your boss is a jerk. They don't appreciate me. I'm not going to do hard things for my company. Why would I do that? Maybe for you, it's your dad wasn't there for you. And you look at your past and the pain you felt, man, no one ever modeled this for me, so there's no way I would even know where to start on how to do hard things. Maybe for you, it's that phrase that is so sweet on our lips sometime, man, I'm just too busy. I'm just too busy to do disciplined work. 
A sluggard will think of any excuse not to do hard thing. The next verse says, uh, Proverbs chapter 26, verse 14, as a door turns on his hinges, so does a sluggard turn on his bed. I love that that imagery of a sluggard sleeping comfortably in his bed and the alarm clock goes off and he turns over and hits the snooze button because he doesn't want to start his day. A sluggard is like a door. It moves a lot, creates a lot of motion, but doesn't actually go anywhere. Verse 15, a sluggard buries his hand in the dish and it wears him out to even bring it back up to his mouth, meaning a slugger doesn't finish what he starts. A slugger doesn't finish what he starts. Whenever Darian and I were fostering two boys, Jazarian and K3, the oldest, Jazarian, he came up to us and said, hey, I want to play baseball. And we thought, okay, that seems easy enough. We'll sign you up. So we signed him up. He went to some practices went to the first game and realized, man, he just wasn't that good at it. <laughs> and it's actually really hard to play baseball, despite how easy it looks on TV. It looks really easy to me. I mean, you go up to a bat, you have a stick, they literally throw the ball at you. Like, you don't have to go find it, you don't have to go fight for it, they throw it at you, and you just got to hit it with a stick, goes out of the park, you run around a little bit, not even that much running, and boom, everybody, you're everybody's hero how it seems on TV, at least. But whenever you get in, you realize there's a lot of technicalities, a lot of skill, a lot of focus involved. And Jazarian, he wasn't about it. So he said, hey, I did it. I tried. I want to quit. Let's, let's be done with the season. We said, okay, here's the deal. You made a commitment, not just to your team, but you made a commitment to yourself that you would finish. You'd be a part of this team. So we'll make a deal with you. We're not going to make you play baseball or not. You don't have to play but you will go. You'll go to every practice, and maybe you'll be in the outfield, and you can throw the balls back in whenever they knock them out. You can, you'll go to every game, and you can stand in the sidelines and cheer your team on. It'll probably be a lot more fun if you just go ahead and played, but we're not going to make you play. But in this family, if we start something, we are going to finish it. A sluggard does not. Verse 16, the last part of this section the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. A sluggard is always a coach. He's never a player. A sluggard is quick to hand out advice, but he's slow to pick up a shovel. A sluggard can give out criticism pretty easily, but it's really hard for him to take it himself. So before we move any further in this lesson as we develop this idea of laziness, I want to stop and just, I want you to ask yourself questions as we work through these four verses. Ask yourself the question, do I make excuses to get out of discipline? Do I make excuses to get out of the thing that is hard? Do I find myself hitting the snooze button because? I'm not volunteering because. I'm not fasting because. I don't read my Bible because, 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 because we make excuses to get out of discipline. Or, are you too busy, but you lack to show anything for your busyness? You have all of these plates spinning in your life. You have no time to add anything to your crammed calendar, but you're not getting any better. You're not being any better. 
You're not producing in the world, in your business, in your family, that's making it any better. You're just really busy. Or, do you start things and have a hard time finishing them? It's easy. You're, you're passionate at the beginning, but it dies off pretty quick. And you find yourself moving from job to job, from ambition to ambition, from diet to diet, from Bible plan to Bible plan, from hobby to hobby, from church to church. Because it's easy to start, but it is hard to finish things. So what I want to do for the remainder of our time as we break down this idea of laziness is I want to first talk about the cause of laziness. The cause of laziness. And then I want to move to the cost of laziness. And there is a detrimental cost you may not even realize. And then finally, I would like to end on the cure to laziness. The cure to laziness. You see, the reason that laziness creeps into our life is not because of a lack of desire. No, you have a deep, powerful force of desire inside of you. Like, the reason I love rainy days is not because I don't have a desire that day to go out and do amazing things. Rather, the reason I love rainy days is because I have an even greater desire to stay in my PJs to curl up on the couch with a warm cup of tea, to read my book and not have to do anything that day. You see, laziness is driven by a deep desire to be comfortable. It's why you hit the snooze button. It's why your gym membership has been canceled. It's why your faith in God, it hasn't moved any in years. Our desire to be comfortable has trumped our desire to be disciplined. Our desire to be comfortable has trumped our desire to be disciplined. And the Proverbs talk about this. This is the ESV version. I I just love the language. Watch this. Proverbs 13 says, The soul of the sluggard, what does it do? It craves. It has a desire. It craves and it gets nothing. Well, the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. I want to talk about that craving, Proverbs 21. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. All day long, he craves, he craves, he craves. There is a craving. It's a desire in the sluggard, but it's to be comfortable. The cause of laziness is a craving for comfort. The cause of laziness is a craving for comfort. Laziness is the idolatry. It's the worship of comfort which produces laziness. It's the mentality that I shouldn't have to do what I don't want to do. Have you ever found yourself saying that or heard somebody else say it? I shouldn't have to do what I don't want to do. And if the enemy can convince you of that lie, then he wins. If he can get you stuck in apathy, he wins. In a world that sells you comfort, why is it so easy for us to fall into sin? It's because the devil feeds you exactly what you want, to be comfortable, to stand still. You see, the enemy doesn't have to do anything. It just has to convince you not to do anything, and he wins. 
there was a 90s anti-drug commercial that captured this idea that has always stuck with me. It's called Pete's Couch. Did everybody see the, did anybody sit, raise a hand, see the commercial of Pete's Couch in the 90s? Wow, I'm the only one. Oh, one over there. Thank you, David. Okay, so good news for the rest of you. Here's 30 seconds of Pete's Couch. You are made for so much greater things than Pete's couch. God has so much more in store for your life than Pete's couch. The cause of laziness is a deep desire to be comfortable. And now let's talk about the cost of laziness. The cost of laziness. And I'm going to break down the cost into multiple sayings that start with the letter P because I'm a pastor and my mind works in alliterations. I can't help it. It just happens. But laziness, first off, laziness is going to cost you prosperity. It's going to cost you prosperity. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 11, poverty will come onto the sluggard like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. You know, all of us, whenever we were kids, we dreamed of being something amazing. Just specifically looking at our career, we dreamed of being astronauts and detectives and zookeepers. And then somewhere along the way, we lost our ability to dream about what could be. We lost it. We became comfortable. And job is just one aspect in which we've become comfortable. Are you, when's the last time you thought about what could be, what God could want in my life? Laziness is costing you prosperity. Laziness will also cost you progress. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 4, the sluggard does not plow in the autumn, and what happens? He's going to seek at harvest, and he's going to have nothing. He's going to have nothing. It reminds me of that old Chinese proverb that the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. Are you losing sight of progress, or is there no progress because of Laziness. Laziness will cost you people's trust. This verse smacked me in the face whenever I read it. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 26. As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, both of those sound terrible, so are sluggards to those who send them. You will become like taking a sip of vinegar to those in your circle because you become untrustworthy. And then probably the greatest cost for your laziness is the cost of your purpose. The cost of your purpose. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says it this way, you are God's workmanship. You are his masterpiece. I mean, imagine that, imagine God as an artist and the greatest thing that he has ever created is you sitting in this pew who you are today. He created your eyes and your ears he put muscle on your bones. He put a creative mind in between your ears. He filled your eyes with color. He gifted you with skills and talents. You are God's workmanship, Ephesians 2.10, created in Christ Jesus 
for good works, or in other words, to do amazing things, which God has prepared ahead of time for you. Laziness, it's pulling you away from your purpose. You stay on Pete's couch while life passes you by when God has designed you for so much greater things. Laziness is choosing not to do anything unless you feel like it. Going back to that phrase, I shouldn't have to do what I don't want to do. And if you believe even a hint of that phrase, I shouldn't have to do what I don't want to do, you actually believe something that stands in direct contrast. It's opposite of what Jesus has called you to be. If you remember in Luke chapter 9, whoever wants, that's your choice. You don't have to be a disciple of Jesus. You can walk away. That is your choice. It's always your choice. Whoever wants to be my disciple, but here's where it no longer becomes a choice. Whoever wants my disciple, wants to be my disciple, must, you must, you have to deny yourself. You have to take up your cross every single day, and you have to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. That is not a choice. You don't have to be a disciple of Jesus, but if you do, this is what it takes. This is what it means. The cost of laziness, though, is not just wasting your purpose. The cost of laziness is wasting your life. If you can recall the verses right after these, for whoever saves his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake, Jesus says, they save it. The cost of laziness is a wasted life. You won't grow. You won't be good at anything. You'll stay the same. You'll continue spinning your wheels. You'll become stagnant. You'll feel unfulfilled, and you will waste it all. You know, whenever I was a kid, I used to wake my mom up in the middle of the night because I had these terrible growing pains in my legs. And my mom is a saint. She would take me back to bed, and I don't even know how long she would stay but she would literally rub my legs until I fell asleep. Probably foreshadowing what I'm going to have to do with Arlo here in a couple of years. But you only grow when you're uncomfortable. You only grow when you're uncomfortable. So just carry that to the next step. If you only grow when you're uncomfortable, that means if you are comfortable at any aspect in your life right now, you are not growing. If you're comfortable in your walk with God right now, if you're not being challenged, stretched by what you hear up on the stage, what you read in your Bible, if you're not sacrificing something, you're not growing. If you're comfortable in your marriage with your spouse, you feel like this is easy. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to give up anything. I don't have to sacrifice anything. You're not growing. You're not denying yourself, and get this, you're not living into your fullest potential. Your fullest potential is tapped into whenever you're willing to be uncomfortable and to grow. You know, today, I was supposed to talk about spiritual discipline, and I, I bet some of you wish I would have just stuck with that. <laughs> but before I could tackle spiritual disciplines, I had to tackle the real issue. 
You see, spiritual disciplines include things like praying and fasting and digesting your Bible every day and giving generously and being a part of the fellowship of believers. And the reason you do not do those things is because they make you uncomfortable. That's the reason you don't do them. And if you want to grow, you have to press into that discomfort. Here's the thing about being a whole disciple is that there's no fast pass. There's no easy way. There's no shortcut. There's no premium that you can buy. Being a whole disciple means denying your comfort and taking up your cross every day. You know, I used to live with this illusion that if I, if God really wanted me to be involved in reading my Bible every day, that almost in like a, a trance that I couldn't control, like the Spirit, God's Spirit would just wake me up, ding, I'd be full of energy. And then he would like lift me out of my bed and ding, 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 all the way to my kitchen table. I'd have a warm cup of tea already brewed for me. My Bible would be open to the verse that I needed to hear that day. And I would talk to Jesus like I'm talking to a friend. It'd be easy. I would laugh and cry at the same moment, and I would walk away from the experience feeling so full of joy, so fulfilled that I would want to go back and do it the next day. It would be that easy. But can I tell you something? Even if you experience that this morning, one day you're going to wake up, and you're not going to want to do it. It's going to be a grind. That's why it's called a spiritual discipline. You're going to wake up tomorrow, but you're going to do it anyways, even when you don't feel like it. You're going to pray even when you don't feel like it. You'll read your Bible even when you don't feel like it. And I hope you're finding relief. I found relief whenever this finally clicked in my head that you don't have to like spiritual disciplines for them to be right. You don't have to like them. You don't have to be good at them, but you have to be consistent. You will sometimes have to fight through discomfort. You'll have to fight through pain. You'll have to fight through inconvenience if you want to finally tap into the transforming power that discipline has to offer your life. I've had just a few jobs growing up. Um, I worked with my dad whenever I was a kid. Um, we had a, a ranch that he worked on. My job was literally, I jumped on a four-wheeler with a trailer, and I drove around. We had these big perimeter fences. I drove around the perimeter, and I patched coyote holes. It was the best job in the world. I listened to the, my, my music. I drove around on a four-wheeler as a kid, jumped off every once in a while, patched a hole, and kept going. I got paid for it. It was the best thing in the world. Other jobs I've had, I've worked in ministry all through my undergrad and master program. I've done youth ministry, I've done college ministry. But my least favorite job of all that I've ever had was one summer as a high schooler, and it was uh, selling fireworks stand, selling and working at a fireworks stand with a buddy of mine. Now, the couple of weeks leading up to the 4th of July were amazing. As a teenage boy selling highly explosive items to strangers, best job in the world. The worst part of the job was the month leading up to July because we had to build the four large stands that we were going to sell the fireworks in. And I've never built a fireworks stand before, and it's Oklahoma.
the middle of June, working from before the sun comes up till after the sun comes down, and I dreaded going to work that whole month. I dreaded it, but looking back, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad. I learned so much about myself, about a skill. I grew so much, and I began from that job, I began to understand a pretty young age that just because I don't like something, or just because something is painful doesn't mean it should be avoided. Have you ever had an experience? I'm sure you have. Maybe it's after in driving home after a really intense workout. Maybe it's hugging goodbye to some of the ladies one of the Thursday nights that they meet up here at the building. Maybe it's flying home after a week-long mission trip. It took everything in your energy to say yes to that opportunity. Maybe there was even some moments and experiences of absolute torture and pain in it, but afterwards you look back and you're grateful that you pushed through the grind. You're grateful. Don't waste your life seeking to be comfortable. That is the greatest cost of laziness. And now let's talk about the cure of laziness, the cure, the path to living a disciplined and fulfilled life. I think the greatest example of this in Jesus' life, at least what I have been able to find, is when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's facing his hours leading up to his death. You see, you may not know this, but Jesus didn't want to die that night. He absolutely did not want to go to the cross, but he did it anyways because he loves you that much, because he loves me that much, because he loves the world that much. But Jesus literally prays and cries to God, God, if there is any other way, any other way, I'll brainstorm with you, God. If there's any other way that doesn't lead to my death, can we please do that option? But not my will, you'll be done. And if you take away anything from Jesus' prayer in the garden that night, it should be just because you don't want to do something doesn't make it wrong. Just because something is hard, or just because you're not good at it, or just because it makes you uncomfortable, doesn't mean it should be avoided. And man, aren't we glad that Jesus understood that that night. When something is difficult but it is necessary, it requires discipline. When something is difficult but necessary, it requires discipline. In fact, that's the application for your life. The cure to laziness is discipline despite difficulty. Discipline despite difficulty. One more proverb for us. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6. Look to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. The ant, it stores its provisions in the summer and it gathers its food at harvest. I love this imagery of the ant because the ant doesn't know. The ant doesn't care. The ant doesn't think about the task being hard. It doesn't. The ant doesn't think, man, I wish I could just sit back today and watch TV. I wish everybody would just give me a break. My schedule's too busy. The ant doesn't think about these things. It sees a task that needs to be done and it puts in the hard work, and it does it. That's the example. Professional laziness requires professional discipline. Relational laziness, it's going to require relational discipline. And spiritual laziness, 
requires spiritual discipline. That's why we pray. That's why we attend worship. It's why we fast. It's why we read our Bibles daily. It's why we gather with other believers because growing and transforming into a better version of you, into a whole disciple, requires discipline. A whole disciple is a disciplined disciple. Now, let's get extremely practical this morning. Some of you are here and thinking, okay, I'm here, I want to be spiritually, which is what I can offer you, spiritually disciplined. I'm going to break down just three, quickly, three ways that you might want to be spiritually disciplined. Don't even wait till 2022. You can start this as early as today. You realize that, right? You don't have to wait. Some of you want to pray more. Some of you want to read your Bible more. Some of you want to fellowship more. Some quick things that you can do. If, you want, if you're here this morning and you want to pray more, three things you can do. Try different styles of prayer. Try different styles. You know, prayer doesn't have to just be a monologue that you are talking the whole time. Prayer can be listening as well. Or maybe uh, find a verse, your favorite verse, and pray it over and over. Breathe in a person's name. Breathe out a blessing for them. Try different styles of prayer. Maybe pray with other people. Pray with your church community. Pray with your spouse. Pray with your mom or your grandma. Call them up and say, hey, can we pray? I'm sure they'll love you for that phone call. Different ways to pray. Or prayer, pray, focus, sorry, focus on quantity, not quality. Right now we focus on prayer as being this pristine version of our prayer. But instead of one big prayer at the end of each day, try 15, 15 second prayers throughout your day. If you're here today and you want to read your Bible more, three things that you can do, carve out a place and a time every day to do it. For me, I wake up early, I go to the gym, come home, I take Arlo on a walk, we get back, I put him on the ground, he plays with his toys, I sit in the same chair, I read from the same Bible, and I use the same devotional book every single morning, and it's the same because it gets done that way. What's your time? What's your day? Use a reading guide. Use a devotional. I just said I used one. Timothy Keller, working through the Proverbs, wisdom for your life. Use something to aid you or try a different translation. Favorite verse, two different Bibles, open them up and read it. Different translations. And then finally, if you want to fellowship more, you want to be more involved in the life of this church and the people in it, one thing you can do is attend the events and activities this church puts on. We do a lot here. We have a whole pumpkin patch outside that you can serve in. You still have an opportunity. It's open every single day. You can meet people in the community. Ladies, every other Tuesday night, y'all meet right up here at the church building. Men, every single Tuesday morning, we meet right up here at the church building. If you're a young adult, we meet every Tuesday night. If you're a youth, we meet every Wednesday night. Thursday nights at 7 p.m. on Facebook, we go live. You can interact with the chat. There's so many ways to get involved if you really want that. Host people in your home if you feel comfortable. It's another thing you can do. Invite people, cook a meal for them, play a board game. Get to know people, or the final one, be an encourager. Be an encourager. People want to be around people who are kind. And if you're not kind, people probably don't want to be around you. 
be an encourager. Most of us dream of the day that we can sit back, we can relax, we can chill. However, in the pursuit of that dream, we are missing out on something far greater. Or on the flip side, some of us, in the midst of our busyness, our crammed calendars, we're actually being lazy busy, not crazy busy. The life you've always dreamed of, the life that Christ desires of you, it requires discipline despite difficulty. So here's my challenge this week. Last sentence. Find a way this week to deny yourself, to take up your cross of discipline every single day, and to follow as a whole disciple after Jesus. Let's pray. God, I pray that we are sitting in a room of whole disciples, ones that have been challenged, not just this morning, but this entire series of what it means to actually follow in your footsteps. Things like thinking biblically and giving generously, being part of a community, being known by our love, being disciplined. And God, maybe being uncomfortable this morning, not hearing things that we necessarily wanted to hear about our life or what we wanted to hear when we woke up this morning and headed to church, maybe that's exactly where you want us to be this morning because it's in our discomfort that we're growing. God, I pray that everybody in this room will be disciplined despite difficulty. I pray that on my life as well. God, we give it all to you. And in Jesus' holy name, we offer this prayer. Amen.